Yeah. What's happening? Chilling, chilling. How you doing, my man? Man, I'm colder than a white man today. How about that? Uh <laughs> <laughs> What's good? The live cold white man out there did this today. Okay, okay. Everything good? I see you in the in, in the CMB house today. Yeah, you know, like uh, I, I needed some place where it was a little bit more quiet if I was going to get this done on StreamYard as opposed to in our studio, as folks can't tell. We're not live in our studio this week. We decided to do a little StreamYard thing. Um, and so I decided to come out to the community house to to get a little quiet. We'll see how long that lasts. Hey, man, it's all good in the hood. But you look That's good. I mean, I like your background. Your background gets better and better every time I see you, man. You got the swords, the samurai swords. You got the little renegade culture. Boom, emblem in the back. Hey man, you 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 know who it's courtesy of. We do what we do. You know what I'm no, saying? Ain't nothing but a revolution, my brother. I got torn up, you know, from um things behind blinders behind me, man. Hey, listen, man. You know, it's it's, it's they say it's hard out here for a pimp, but it's much rough on a, we understand. Watch your bit. mouth, man. Watch yeah. your mouth. Watch your mouth. Anyway, <laughs> introduce yourself for the folks is for the for the first timers. You know, man, first timers this is Kamal Cape Franklin, you know what I'm saying? Resident. Sometimes lawyer, community organizer, all around nice person. Then to my to my left, to your right is hey Kalaji Jamachanga. Some say I'm a riot starter, but I like to prefer I prefer being a gentleman. But um, you know, when I, when I'm not starting a rebellion, you can catch me on Renegade Culture, part time, full time. How we do it? You got like three shows. You got Renegade Culture. You got the Riot Starter. And you, we, we both got the remix, man. You're all over media these days. Hey, listen, man. Um, I, I, I must be uh, losing my mind or something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I feel like a, 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 a revolutionary Steve Harvey without the loop. <laughs> <laughs> Somewhere between Steve Harvey and Daruba. Yeah, you know ooh, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, That's yeah. a little closer to Steve, at least on the money thing. Not yeah, on the yeah, politics, yeah. though. Nothing near the politics. Nothing near the politics. You know what I'm saying? But anyway, man, it's, it's good to see you. Um, Today being the 36-year commemoration. That's right. Of MOVE. That's the MOVE right. bombing. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, of course, we got that nonsense. And we also have uh, the uh, uh, anniversary of the Black Liberation Army's acquittal. Mm -hmm. you know? uh, excuse me, not the Black Liberation Army. The Panther 21's yeah. acquittal. Yeah, I was going to say better known as the Panther 21. Uh, at the time, the longest trial in New York State history, um, and all twenty-one were acquitted of charges like bombing and 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 uh, and conspiracy and so forth. Um, and some were even acquitted in absentia because they they got bailed out. Speaking in Deruba, and then yeah. you know went overseas. First started raising money, then went overseas. So uh, I, I I did some post today. I was like, this is the one of the few times in history where the evidence was so underwhelming in so terms of what the state could prove that even, you know, it, like the jury was like, like, look, we're not even, and because the deliberations uh, took the, one of the shortest time periods, you know, particularly compared to the trial. So they were like, you know, this is, this is complete BS. So we're not even going to convict on this. So now one, one of the ill things that we didn't point out on the remix is the fact that the ruble was framed six days later. That's right. After that acquittal. You know what I mean? He was accused of popping uh, two more pigs, and he ended up doing 19 years in prison before it was found out that he was, of course, like we already knew, a victim of COINTELPRO. Mm -hmm. You That's know, right. so what's that? What's that evidence came out? His uh, his attorney that we both know, uh, no doubt. Bob Boyle. Shout uh, out to Bob. Yep. Uh, always shout out to Bob. It's no the doubt. white man I know. You got uh -oh. that right. So he, and I always, I always joke with Bob, I was like, if I lined up 
15 white guys in a row and asked you to say, which one is the revolutionary lawyer for Black Black Liberation Army members, uh, Black Panther Party members, who knows the inside game? Bob might be the last one you pick just because he it looks so straight and narrow in his look that you're like, yeah. it's dude. Man, look, they might pick Sean King before Bob. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking, speaking of move, mm. uh, Pam Africa hit me early today. And there's some, uh, by the time folks check out this, uh, this, this uh, episode, there's some new, uh, a new, new breaking news that's dropping, um, you know, tomorrow morning. They have a press mm -hmm. conference. And, and I almost feel like talking about it because of the fact that this won't be out till tomorrow night. But um, I'm going to hold my tongue just in case it gets leaked out or whatever. You sure? But, um, it was going to be tomorrow night? Well, tomorrow night we should be good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should be okay. good. Well, well, I'm going to say it. Um, she got a, she received a phone call from the mayor of Philly today mm -hmm. on a 36-year anniversary or commemoration stating that um, – they found more uh, more bodies. Oh, more more remains, rather. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also that in 2016-2017, the um, medical examiner uh, he actually discovered the bone, the remains, and burned them, destroyed them. Not surprising. I mean, this is goes this this goes back to the state, obviously not giving a damn, but not just the ruthlessness and the brutality. The fact that they were in the first place, and like you pointed out earlier on the remix, um, Wilson Good was the mayor, black man, yes, a, a bomb on a neighborhood that included kids and adults, um, animals, uh, the whole nine, uh, animals just, just killed everybody and wiped them out, um, yes. and suffered no consequences thereof uh, after that. Um, well, the, the, one correction, of course, there were two, uh, two, two uh, uh, folks that came out, one adult, which was. Mm -hmm. Our comrade Ramona Africa. Shout out to Ramona, who's still out there on the front line, mm -hmm. and also uh, Birdie Africa, who was the the child. Yeah, I think he was yeah. thirteen at the time. Yeah, I you think know. you're right. Who survived? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But in general, but you know, it just it just continues on that path of the, the again the city and the state just feeling like they could do whatever they want to do and get away with it um, uh, because these folks were radicals. They were left. Um, they were caring about their people. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's, it's it, hopefully something can come out of this in terms of at the very least a lawsuit, but something that puts public pressure on them so that this can't happen again. But I guess that won't happen until, you know, we get to what part of what our topic is going to be later, be later on tonight be about like revolutionary change because no the doubt. state's in charge. You never know what they're going to be able to do. Hey, man, listen, man, the state, uh, you know, I think that one one of the mistakes that, that we make as a people is we underestimate the power of the state. We under, underestimate their, their, their ruthlessness. We under underestimate their tyranny. We underestimate, I'm stuttering, underestimate their propaganda machine. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, I was t telling folks earlier, man, it's like, uh, you know, they thrive off of our egos and ignorance. Because of the fact that we're so egotistical and, and folks talk about unity. The reason why we're not uni uniting is based off of ego. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Because everybody mm -hmm. wants to be uh, the head slave in charge. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to be the person to liberate um, the rest of us. Now, the ill thing about that, I imagine that if, if you had the key to our liberation, if Bob Boyle had the key to our liberation, folks would turn their back and continue to try to fight. 
rather than saying they were liberated by one of us. Mm -hmm. You understand mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And it's oh, a yeah. sad, sick situation. Yeah. What's the old saying? I want black people. To, I, I want black people to be free, but only if I free them. Exactly. Right? That's that's exactly. that's unfortunately the character of folks who even claim to be doing organizing, who claim to be caring about our folks. Um, what they really want is to be the out front person, the person in charge, or to look like they're the person in charge. That's right. Um, and that's what's more important to them. But like we said, we got a big show coming on tonight. We got some special guests and a special right. topic. Why don't you introduce what the topic is going to be? Look, man, tonight we're talking about revolution, revolutionary tools. Hmm. We're talking about uh, revolution, period. Um, last week we had Baba Mukasa Dada, and it was a heavy-duty show, heavy-duty episode. So we wanted to follow it up with some uh, younger organizers, some younger activists, uh, younger freedom fighters um, who happen to be in, in, in the quote-unquote professional world as well. Yeah. But but they're serious about our liberation and we respect them because of the fact that um, first and foremost, they down with BPM. Duh. They're <laughs> members of the uh, Black Power Media crew. Um, you can catch them on the morning show, the remix. And, um, you know, they're putting in work and we, we admire their humbleness. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, we have Dr. Iyele Ichile and also uh, African Esquire. Tyranny Cherie joining us today. So, um, you know, y'all stay tuned and we're going to be right black at you as we bring them on. Renegade culture. Renegade. Hey, what's happening? Hi, how you doing? Good, Good to how go. Doing? Good. Y'all feeling all right? Tyranny's looking like you know, she's you're not right, right. she is. You can't, can't hear us? You got your mute button on, Tyranny. You got to take that mute off. It's still on. I can see it over to the side. It's that button right there. That button. You got to press the mute. Oh, she can't hear or talk. Oh, you can't hear or talk. You, you, <laughs> you have you have some difficulties over there. Okay, okay. Well, we see you have your mic muted. That's one. All right. We're going to have her log off and try to come in. back on on us. No doubt. No doubt. Well, Iyele, how you doing, Dr. Iyele? What's going on? I'm great. I'm great. I'm happy to be back. Hey, man. You know what I'm saying? It's back. You're back like you never left. <laughs> <laughs> we might just have a whole segment or you might just be a whole, like a, a, a third host. Because I no might, I might retire. Like you know, I might be a second host. I might retire soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Don't do that. I'm, I'll be an honorary member. Either that or you could be the new producer because um, <laughs> the ear doctor might retire. But boom, boom, boom. Anyway, <laughs> shout out to the ear doctor. He's absent tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's somewhere uh, working on some weather, so uh, he'll be back. <laughs> Catch him on Tuesday doing the remix. He's preparing the sketches for for Tuesday morning. You know, what I'm no saying? doubt he get he getting it in. Uh, we have made a producer on deck tonight, producer of the morning show. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Making sure that we flow smooth. Um, but uh, Doc to Iyeli, what's the deal? We want to um, folks who are not familiar with you. Uh, can you do us a uh, a quick brief bio? Because we don't want to jack it up because, you know, Kamaya was known for that. So we don't want that to happen. <laughs> I think okay. he's been practicing your name, too. Let me just let you know that. He's been, he's been smooth. Okay. And, he's doing, and he's, he's doing much better. Okay, um, thank you. <laughs> so, she I got it no, right. I am, I am a mom. I'm a community member, a culture worker. Um, I am a college professor. As you all said, I teach uh history and black studies at Prince George's Community College out here in PG County, outside of DC. 
Um, I'm also the director of the African American Studies Institute there. And I just kind of get in where I fit in, wherever whatever, wherever folks call me, I'm, I'm, I just try to go. That's it. Right, <laughs> That's right. me. That's what's up. That's what's up. So, um, I mean, part of the topic tonight, we know that uh, one of the things you've been dropping on the on the remix has been, uh, you know, coming with the whole uh, African spirituality side of things. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Something's necessary. We have Tierney Sheree back. You hear us ah, now? Hey. Okay. Hey. Okay. She's been healed. <laughs> so that's cool. So yes, I have. Thank you. <laughs> word, word. So, um, matter of fact, we're gonna have uh, Tyranny introduce herself as well, real quick, and then we'll get back to what we was talking about. Okay, peace, everyone. Tyranny Cherie Pepper, full name. Um, I host African Esquire TV, a Pan Africanist YouTube channel. I'm also steering committee chair of an organization called We Charge Colonialism. So I'm just happy to be on to talk about revolution. No doubt, no doubt. Okay, okay. That's what's up. So see, we, we like when you all do your own bios. Some of the folks we had on, they do like eight pages. Like in, when I was in the third grade, you know what I mean? No one hear none of that. But anyway, um, one of the things that Yelly drops on us uh, pretty regularly is African spirituality. Um, one of the things I wanted to, to start off asking you was um, how important is, is is spirituality when we talk about revolution in your eyes well i think really the record shows the historical record shows that where we have <laughs> been engaged in our spirituality deeply it has meant a more successful outcome um and obviously the haitian revolution is and is is an example um but there are many many other examples for instance the whole maroon idea. The fact that we have Maronage, you don't have Maronage without communities building um, building themselves around spirituality. It, spirituality enables us to see um, not just the physical, but understand that if our physical bodies don't survive the revolutionary process, we do go on. It helps us to think beyond our generation and, and prepare for a future that we may not physically be in, but we may be in, in another form. It allows us to be braver. It allows us to, to feel less isolated and alone in what we're doing. Um, it guides our, our sense of ethics, morality. Um, not that you can't have those things without spirituality, but those are part of the African worldview that we had coming over here. So again, I, I, I argue to anyone, you know, we didn't get mind wiped when we got off the slave ships. So what was it that guided our hearts and our minds and our thinking? We, we organized around the principles we learned through our spiritual culture. And really, if you're talking about African culture, traditional culture, philosophy, right? You cannot divorce that from the spiritual tradition, which is why so many African languages don't have a word for religion. It's not separate from the way of life. So that's why I feel like you can't really talk about revolution and then talk about spirituality separately. Or, that, that's, or try that's, to divorce it from the conversation. It's just nice. in there. Nice, nice. Tyranny, I know that um, you know, you just you just put together a panel yourself uh dealing with religion and spirituality. I want to ask you the same question. Um, and, and in us asking the question, we're, we're not asking, you know, um, unless you need to divulge that, but you know, spirituality, how important is spirituality to you in revolution? 
I think that everything you really said is absolutely true. And when I look at how our ancestors have been able to survive the horrors of enslavement, I don't think that that's by happenstance. Honestly, I don't think everyone even has that in them. I think that that exact spirituality, that connection to um, our creator in a sense that there is something worth struggling for. I think that's absolutely the reason why we're even here today. So as far as um, the liberation struggle today, um, I think that we have to make sure that we're having a recognition that there is absolutely a role that going back to our indigenous practices should should have. Um, and I think that unfortunately, when we talk about spirituality, um, people attach things to it that shouldn't be attached to it. And that's what turns um, some people off. But I, my belief is that really you could be of any religious uh, religious system and still uh, practice that. I mean, uh, many of our ancestors um, subscribe to a different religious system while also subscribing to African spirituality. So I think that we should take the road that they showed us and take that road to liberation. All right, okay, okay. Um, like so I, I, I am at, you know, I, I am the resident atheist of the crew. Um, <laughs> um, and it's, it, I probably I probably put spirituality in the same realm of culture, right? And so for me, spirit, spirituality mixed with culture or the idea of culture is highly important, I think, to successful revolution making. Like when folks are attached to their historical culture and inclusive of that is the spirituality that they practice um, it, it adds to the ability to sort of draw out the, uh, the need for us to escape from whoever them is, right? Because usually them are imposing something on us that we did not agree to have it imposed upon. Uh, and that comes with changing the way we eat, the way we think, the way we pray, uh, the way we worship, um, how we live our lives. And it is usually attached to, instead of doing it that way, we want you to do it the European way because we as Europeans uh, think that we are more successful in everything. And so we're gonna come over here and tell you how to do everything um, that you were doing before, but to do it the way we tell you to do it, right? So, and we're gonna extract from your culture, from your spirituality, uh, what we want to extract from it um, for our benefit and hand it right back to you in a different form and make you pay for it half the time. So, you know, so I think the mixture of, of an intact culture or a, a culture um, that sort of drives folks to be like, um, this is the way forward to get back what we lost, uh, or this is part of the way forward to get back what we lost is extremely important in terms of the struggle, a revolutionary struggle. Right. Um, yeah, so that sounds dope. And uh, I think, Kamal, I think we're doing a panel today. However, I you're still like the co-host, brother. A discussion. I thought we were doing like a back and forth discussion. <laughs> okay, okay. I was going to ask you, so what do you think about that, son? Uh, yeah, well, um, that's good. Um, my, my answer to that really is um, I'm under the belief that religion is what you do. Your religion is what you practice daily. You know what I mean? So whatever title you call yourself, you can say you're a Muslim, you can say you're Christian, you can say you're an Ifa priest. Whatever you say you are, that sounds good. But at the end of the day, it's what do you do? You know what I mean? So uh, ultimately, I, I would say that my religion is revolution because of the fact that I practice the art of revolution. I'm practicing um, the liberation of my people. You know what I mean? So I don't I don't get caught up in the uh, in, in the in entanglement of what someone else is doing. You know, one of the things Malcolm talked about was going in the closet and putting your religion on the shelf. 
You know what I mean? I believe I'm a spiritual person by nature. I think that physical, mental and spiritual are the, the, the makeup of, of, of humans. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, we all come with lofty titles. You can say you're a doctor. You can say you're a professor. You can say you are a revolutionary. You can say whatever you want to. But at the end of the day, what it, what is it that you do? You know what I'm saying? A crackhead can say he's a philosopher, but if he smokes crack, then you're still a crackhead. You know what I'm saying? So you can call yourself what you want to, but what do you do? You know, so that that's kind of how, you know, I look at it. Um, you mentioned culture. Um, I think that uh, when we talk about revolution, I think that oftentimes folks confuse uh, uh, revolution with culture. I don't think that every revolutionary is a, a, a righteous man, nor do I think that every revolution uh, revolutionary is into culture. You know what I mean? So I want to know from you all, how important do you think that, uh, that, that culture is in revolution? I think it's definitely important in different aspects. So you have the aspect of getting people engaged inside of the revolutionary struggle. And I think for most of us, um, that comes by way of rejecting European norms. Um, and so whenever you're on that road, I think that's one way that people in, um, enter into revolution. Um, I also think that a necessary component of decolonization has to be reversing the implantations that European culture has taught us. So there's so many things that I think have become second nature to us, like capitalism, um, that it's like, we just think that's the way of life. Like I, I've seen this all the time when I say something like, you know, destroy capitalism, they're like, well, what else would there be? So a big aspect of that is, mm -hmm. is going to your indigenous culture to realize that prior to en encountering this system that you had your own culture, you had a culture that I would describe as a socialist culture. Um, and also I think culture does become important in understanding how to survive. Um, we, we have to draw from the experiences that people have given us that has allowed us to come this far. Um, I think where things kind of become murky is where uh, culture um, is, uh, is particularized in a certain way that you have to, you basically like you have to prove your Africanness um, by doing certain things. And no one in my opinion will ever measure up whenever we have these type of um, like arbitrary standards that are not connected to a revolutionary purpose, not co not connected to the decolonization agenda. So I think we have to absolutely embrace culture. I think culture is revolutionary. Um, I think that there's something about getting in a space with people who have been taught for so long to take on a white identity and saying we reject that. Um, but I think it, if it becomes a litmus test, for example, like I'll, I'll give you one example. Um, so, I, so my name's Tierney Sheree Pepra. My husband's Ghanaian, so I got an African name, yeah. Um, but I have people that come on my channel and they say, "Why you don't you're gonna you're not gonna get rid of your name, like Tierney? Like that's that's not African, <laughs> you know." Yeah. And they uh, to them it, it will be someone who maybe they change it into an African name, but they're not even doing anything in the actual African struggle, and they'll judge me by that and and say that I'm less than. That's where it becomes dangerous, and I think that's where it becomes counter roof revolutionary. And so one mm -hmm. thing that I think we can learn from our indigenous culture is tolerance. And that's something that our ancestors, I think, embodied. That's true. Really dope. I, okay. I agree wholeheartedly. I think using your name as an example is a really good one. I think 
an earlier stage in my revolutionary development. I was, I mean, I was born with my name. My name comes from my Nigerian father, right? But, um, or my Becheve father, I choose not to identify by these colonial state names. But anyway, my name I got, uh, you know, straightforward day one, but I, for people who receive their names from their parents, receive their names from their grandparents, these are ancestral names. They're names that were given to you through the same processes as the ancestors before you, as the ancestors in Africa. You're honoring your your lineage, your bloodline. So that's very African. So I think culture has to be taken down past the superficial, past the, the how many dashikis are in your closet to the operating system. It's an operating system. If it's not an operating system and you're not getting to the ethics, the values, how we relate to each other, how we think about resources, how we define concepts, then you haven't you haven't started to be in the culture. And this is something I was thinking about this morning. The folks in a generation ahead of us, they used to they used to call this stuff being in the culture. You know, like about 1968, I got into culture, right? But now we're talking about for the culture, which is like externalizing it, I think. Mm -hmm. Like we're speaking out, mm -hmm. outside, we're projecting out. We want to look like we're doing something positive instead of actually like digging into the how do we do it? How do we be in it? And I think there's a, like, there's something there that I think is, is interesting. Um, I think also culture is important. Um, and this, I guess, takes it back to, to spirituality again, because I don't see these things as truly divisible. Um, but this is where we find our medicine, right? And that's why I'm always preaching that on, on the Remix Morning Show. It's like, instead of saying, I've, 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 it, I don't have enough money to practice an African religion because <laughs> I don't have enough money to buy all the stuff you need <laughs> or I don't have enough money to to join a church because I can't tie that every Sunday. Or I, you know what I mean? I, I can't even afford a prayer rug. You know, it's Ramadan. I can't even. What are the basic human things that you can do that you have access to once you understand the operating system? Because. Our ancient ancestors didn't have access to mm -hmm. airplanes and shipping to ship themselves the perfect cola nuts from Nigeria so they can do their thing. They used whatever they had. Spirit is energy. Energy understands. And it, the universe is an intelligent place. It's an intelligent thing. And, and so I think getting down to a really a deep structure of culture really helps us to really understand what this is about. It helps us to get to the therapeutic aspects of these of our culture, right? It helps us deal with things like mental health. I thought Kamal's um, piece this morning was really dope. Um, our relationship to plants and the herbal world um, that we have access to, right? Those relationships, the, how we keep eco, ecological balance, ecological harmony, that stuff, environmental justice is built into the culture. These are new problems because we've gotten shifted off of our cultural understandings and our relationships to the world around us. Culture brings us back to those places. So a lot of these problems will solve themselves if we get back to those indigenous understandings. And so that's why culture really matters too. Um, I, was gonna, I was gonna jump in quick and say, because some of the things you alluded to, you know, with some of the problems that, that started to separate organizers or radicals in the 60s and 70s, where you had this narrow nationalism versus the sort of revolutionary nationalism, right? So you had this narrow nationalism of groups like us that really went deep into African culture, had African names or new African names. When you they, say us, United Slaves, you're saying, correct? Yes, when I say us, yeah, United Slaves, yeah, Karanga. So they they did all of this this stuff, which uh, made them externally 
feel closer to African culture or parts of African culture, um, which I do think has importance, right? Yeah, that's um, meaningful. But mm -hmm. they were, but it, as opposed to challenging the state, they stopped short thereof and were okay. At least it seemed like they seemed mm -hmm. to be okay with just creating little, uh, little small groups that mm -hmm. did that, but never challenged the state on behalf of all of us, right? And so I right. think the error for me, in terms of when I look back, wasn't it wasn't necessarily that they started to practice African culture, because I think that's a very important part or different cultures that they wanted to adopt that comes from, that came from Africa, right? As, as, as folks started to sort of go back and study and, and try to see where, what part of the land did we come from or where we at and, and that we should start adopting back as, as here. Mm -hmm. And I think that connection has always been great. Um, but it's always been that sort of like, if it's if it's just limited to that, we run into trouble. And so I think the next topic um, to throw out there around what's needed for revolution comes to the idea of ideology, right? So what is the ideology that drives revolution? Um, what is the ideological practices or the ideological thinkings um, that we think would, if we need to put forward in order to make uh, a revolution happen? And Brother Kalanji, since I'm playing both host also and and commentator and panelist, I'm gonna start with you, brother, since I didn't, you know, I kind of jumped in here and switched the topic on you. <laughs> um, I, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna ask you to repeat that question because I was so uh, I was still caught on the first half of what you said. So I'm gonna be honest with you. But the what what what, what was the the direct question? No, the direct know? question was like you know based based on not just like we talked about culture. And one of the things that we need to link up with and think about is like, so what is the ideology that drives revolution, right? Because um, mm -hmm. when people adopt the culture only as their stance and they leave out a, an ideological position that moves us forward as a people, then we are left only with the culture uh, and the idea that we're safe because of the culture, but we don't change the material conditions around us and or struggle around changing the material, material conditions around us. So my question is in terms of what we need for revolution is what ideology serves us towards for and or towards a revolution that, that, that's that's a heavy question my brother that's a heavy um, program my brother no doubt it's renegade culture um yeah so i would say uh as 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 a, a comrade and sister stated uh we we have to be socialists we have to practice african scientific socialism um we are african people we're clear about that but at the same time um i don't think that uh our alienating anyone is going to help us to be successful in waging revolution, especially here in the United States. They say we're 13, 14% of the population. If we're 13, 14% of the population and we have all these differences, well, I don't like this one because they practice this and I don't like that one because they practice that. And I don't like this one because of their gender and I don't like this one because of their height and all of that type stuff, then the numbers dwindle. You know what I mean? So um, I think that uh, you, you be stern on your, uh, on your position uh, you accept the concessions, but in regards to your position, then you, you know, you steadfast. You know what I mean? Um, we are socialist people by nature. You know what I mean? And when I say socialist, um, you know, some folks, they get into, well, you know, you talking, you know, Marxism and so on and so forth. All of that sounds good in the grand scheme of things. Right now, as African people, uh, there was a time when we cared about each other. You know what I'm saying? We were concerned and we cared about the universe. We cared about nature. That's one of the things I love about MOVE is because they're, they're pro-life. They care about nature. They care about the planet. They care about, you know, uh, uh, the environment. You know, all of these things are important because of the fact that that it, 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 it's about life. 
You know what I mean? In the grand scheme of things, we're here on average less than 100 years, which is a drop in the bucket when it comes to the planet itself. So we're here for a season, for lack of better words. You know what I mean? So my particular position, while I love us, while I'm as pro-African as it gets, at the same time, I'm pro-life. I'm pro-humanity. You know what I'm saying? I I, I don't want to go kill an animal just because of the fact that, you know, I want to see what my gun do. You know what I mean? Um, that don't make you soft. I think that the protectors of the planet are the most important people on the planet because of the fact that, you know, at times I, I tell folks, I say, OK, boom, uh, I'm an environmentalist. And they're like, uh, environmentalist, what are you talking about the environment? What about the Africans over in such and such? Let me tell you something, man. If the environment is jacked up, you ain't got to worry about the Africans over in such and such because we won't have a damn planet to be on. You know what I mean? We get so caught up in uh, in, like you all said, the materials, the, 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 the image. You know what I mean? It sounds good. It looks good. But at the end of the day, it don't mean shit if you're not. You know what I mean? If you're not uh, in line with the universe. So, again, to answer your question, I hope I, I got it. Um, I answered it. You know, boom, African scientific socialism and, um, you know, to the death. Yeah. Ayala, what, what do you think? Yeah. I, well, I was going to say, I think that the um, the one of the, the most insidious, trickiest things that uh, colonization has done is to divorce culture from ideology, um, which is why when I look at culture, my goal is to always reconnect it to an ideological foundation or the why of it all and how of it all put back down to operating systems because um, and then also think about it in a, in a, in a global way. Like, cause I think that, that, that our oppressors have been so successful at divorcing. Like, I think it's something you, you referred to earlier, Kamal, like, th like they picked and it picked and chose which parts of culture were like safe and okay for the natives to hold on to. You can wear your clothes, you can eat your food and have jalap rice wars if you want you know what i mean that's cute um you can you can sing and dance a little bit um you can have even your names but you can't have those 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 names that speak to like the the war deities you used to fight us back in the day before we burned all your shrines down you can't have those names anymore like you have to forget all of the ideology that allows you to to fight back and adopt the ideology of pacifism you have to Get give get rid of all the ideology that says that resources should be shared equally in a society, and adopt the idea of like hustle and dollarism and all this other stuff. like. It's just so interesting how they compartmentalize and discombobulated who we are, and I think that um, the ideology really is there. Um, we had a scientific socialist understanding of the universe before there was a term that was that, <laughs> right? So it, it really does. You can distill it down to ways a way of life, and I think that um, some people are really clear on ideology um, and can articulate it that way. And some people, if you go down, you you go to the village, as they say, or even out to the bush, as they say, in the continent, you'll see people who are living it. They're not just talking about it as a soci uh, you know, scientific socialist concept. They're just living it. It's just the way they do things. It's the way they relate to people, relate to new people who come to visit. So I think that. Um, all of those things have to have a place and all those things have to have value. And I think the goal should be earth centeredness. The goal should be um, unity above all else and trying to find strategic ways to come together um, despite differences. We're never going to be the same. We're never going to be enough of a monolith to all move 
in in one direction in the same exact way. But we can all agree on some things and and try to move forward with that. I think. And yeah, ideology has to under underpin that, undergird that. Dope. Uh, Dr. Kamau, uh, hold up. Tyranny's back first and then we'll get to you, my brother. Yeah, um, I agree with everything everyone said. And for me, my ideology that I would say motivates me is, I think at the basic level, it's just love for uh, people, honestly. And obviously before you love those on a distance, you love those who are in front of you. And those who are in front of us are people, African people. And if you love your people, you don't endorse anything, any system, any ideology that is going to hurt your people. And you look for whatever is going to have the most benefit for the most of your people. And I think when we move based on that love, that it's kind of like uh, there's a scripture of uh, perfect love cast out all misunderstandings. Like when you move based on love, you're not going to have so many of the um, of the infighting. Like, you know, you're willing to to concede and and look bad or or um you know let someone else be higher so that you 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 know so that everyone can um everyone can come together and so i think the more that we prioritize uh the love aspect of one another the more that that will actually be the guiding force because i don't know any person who um loves all african people who can co-sign the horrible uh, imperialist system and who honestly loves African people and can see other people like what's happening in Palestine right now going through the same thing and feeling different. Um, so I think that should be at a basic level, you know, love of self, love of people, love of your people who are closest to you. That should be the biggest motivating factor. You know, Che Guevara said revolution is an act of love. And I think that, um, that that's one of the things that, uh, I don't think a lot of people get. I think that we focus so much on hating the white man and hating imperialism and hating Negroes and hating who don't believe like we believe that we miss the mark when it comes to the whole act and art of revolution. So I'm glad that you 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 came from that particular angle. I mean, both of you, because of the fact that I mean, ultimately, why are we doing what we're doing if it's not an act of love? You know, uh, brother Kamal. Brother Kalanji, I, I always feel like I've been driven by the idea of revolutionary nationalism as a specific ideological practice. In fact, I think my ideology in a lot of ways has been the same to me as a spiritual practice, right? In, in terms of what guides me, what, what uh, makes me uh, think about how the world should operate in my place in the world. And so when I say revolutionary nationalism, what I mean by that is, is, is one, the thing that everybody has mentioned here so far is a socialist practice, an economic practice, a well-being of everybody on the planet that comes first and foremost before we talk about anybody uh, profiteering or exploiting um, and being able to live in a certain way compared to what the rest of the planet lives, right? So for me, the revolutionary aspect of it is an overturning of a capitalist system that's meant to degrade us um, to keep us down, to keep us as workers, to keep us as free labor, uh, to keep us as cheap labor. Uh, and then our role is to destroy that. Um, and then the nationalism for me is I consider myself a nationalist, a pan-Africanist and an internationalist. I don't think there's any contradictions for me in all of that. Um, but for me, the core is that I think we as a people, um, we, no one else can free us but us. No one else can tell us what liberation means 
but us. We have to figure that out for ourselves. And when we talk about even going back to uh, or engaging in our, our sort of traditional cultural aspects that were attempted, uh, uh, attempted to be taken away from us, and people say, oh, well, everything in Africa wasn't perfect or whatever, wherever place we were living is like, well, no, that, that's not the point. The point is not about perfection. The point it was ours, right? And with ours, we, within time, will decide what we continue on with that tradition and what we discard, right? We will have those internal battles and discussions. And some of that may be taken from outside influences and so forth. But ultimately, it is what we think is better for our people, our living standards, our way of interacting with each other is not something that can be imposed from the outside. So it's not like I don't believe in sort of a general human rights theme of what all human beings should have. But I think within that context of like um, uh, a universal uh, belief of, of human rights, I do think there is some relativism um, that's important to understand that it's going to take folks who are living that culture to fight and make changes within that culture. And that everybody who's practicing that culture may not be practicing it for the best reasons um, or the best solutions, but it's up to that group to try to figure out what are the best ways to move forward. So that those practices, which may be arcane to us in some ways, don't get to continue in, per per uh, uh, in perpetuity, that we find ways to end them to make sure that we come to a better understanding of what we need globally. Agreed. No doubt, no doubt. So um, uh, you guys have some marvelous answers. <laughs> Got me feeling rather African revolutionary tonight. Um, <laughs> uh, one, of, one of the questions, another question I wanted to ask um, is we often talk about uh, what's wrong. You know what I mean? Um, we talk about, you know, who our enemy is. I think by now, if we're not clear who our enemy is, then um, I think that uh, we'll, we'll be forever lost. One of the questions I wanted to uh, pose was here is here we are in uh, 2021, right? And we're still arguing the same arguments. We still have the infighting. We're still uh, talking about we need a revolution. Um, so I wanted to uh, ask you all, what are not necessarily solutions, but what are some things that can get us on the right path towards revolution? And how important is it for us to lay groundwork for revolution or should we just keep on the path we on and just, you know, pray it away? I think we definitely should pray, but that's not gonna work. Pray, prayer without works, right? As the Christian folks say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think um, one of the things, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm constantly beating the modernity drum is that I really think that um, we are a people who is in need of healing. Uh, we are a people who we, we need to treat ourselves more gently than we do. Um, folks in the struggle are hard on each other. I, sometimes they're just really rough with each other. We're rough with each other. You know, we don't come into a space. Um, trying to find common ground. We come in this space trying to throw our, our weight around, throw our ideology around, throw our egos around, and just see if we can dominate the space with how we feel and what we think should go on instead of um, kind of being, sub submitting to the collective. Like collectivism has to be our first priority and people need to heal to get there. Like we really need to build trust. Um, we don't have trust within even movements. You know, you can go into a space like, you know, obviously I'm always, 
talking about prayer and meditation and things like that. You can go into a space where people don't even feel comfortable closing their eyes in a room full of other people they're supposed to be struggling with, organizing with, mobilizing with. If you can't like center yourself and find a quiet place amongst the folks because you're worried someone's going to pick your pocket or violate you in some kind of way, you're not doing it. You're not going anywhere. Like we don't have the basic human interactional stuff down. So I think that that's got to be um, that's got to be a core. That's got to be something we talk about more. We got to talk about going to therapy um, because if not, we're building anything we're building is on a shaky foundation. That's just how I feel. I think uh, a big part of coming to a revolution has to be understanding just how extreme things are. And I think, unfortunately, um, in America, it's very difficult to have a full appreciation for the system, you know, when you're inside of your small bubble. Um, and even among our people who are struggling, I mean, I think that there's so many things that are thrown out there to my, my opinion is that like all the social media and all the, st the TV, the reality shows, that there's an intentional effort to, <clears throat> excuse me, an intentional effort to distract people. Um, I think all the celebrity gossip there, I think that there was literally people thinking, how do we get these people to be concerned with things other than the conditions as they exist. And um, for our people here, I think that's um, gonna be a struggle for us is to get to recognize how extreme things are. And then for our people who um, are abroad, um, who do have a recognition of how extreme things are, I think that there has to be a concerted effort to point the finger at, okay, you see the extreme, the conditions are extreme. I mean, when you see Africans getting in these blow up boats to go across the Mediterranean for the possibility, maybe I can get to Europe and a lot of them drown with their children. I mean, that's an extreme circumstance. That's, that's an extreme uh, thing to do. And when you get them to see if you're willing to either live through this poverty or you're willing to risk your life that you have to identify the system that's creating your condition. And that's going to be, I think, the onus on us to um, clearly uh, explain neo-colonialism, to clearly explain imperialism, to to unite with our brothers and sisters who are already explaining it, because a lot of people are, but they don't have the, um, the support in their work to be able to be as effective. So I think it's going to have to come um, from the extreme realities resonating with us. And I think, you know, there's, it's, there's so many like revolutionary things happening. Uh, I don't wanna say, I'd say there's reactionary things happening or not even reactionary. It, there's people reacting to the situation. You know, there's people reacting to police brutality. There's people reacting to, I hate my president, let's get him out of here. Um, not a lot of people are reacting to the colonial situation and that's intentional to me i think that there's an intentional effort to make things look like this is what your enemy is and um not have you recognize who's really in charge <laughs> so quickly on that i would like uh obviously we were talking part, partly about a propaganda system right a propaganda system that both uh distracts us from um from from what we should be doing because it's laying out all these other things that they want us to be interested in and what they want us to grab on to and what they want us to care about and even what they don't want us to care about right and what they don't want us to look like or or feel attached to 
So there's that propaganda system that in, in essence, again, needs that counter, uh, whether we want to, you know, propaganda now has a negative connotation, but at one point it just meant uh, information, right? So is that counter information that we need to put out there that talks about what it is that we can do that's better than what you got now. So for me, a part of the, part of the work of organizing and talking about revolution is sometimes about creating models, right? Even if they're small models, but there's models of resistance. So what is it that we can do that can lead folks to see that there are alternatives to how we're living our lives that are out there that are both challenging, again, for me, challenging the state, but also saying that this is what this is what a future can behold, right? And obviously those things are, are are hard to do with the lack thereof of resources a lot of our organizational apparatuses have, which gets us to that other part of the question I think Kalanji was asking around the sort of structure um, of, of, of organizing or resisting, right? And again, we've talked about this on Medicaid Culture and there's a couple other things. Currently the structure is nonprofitism, right? Nonprofit institutions are where people go to express their resistance to the state which on its face is obviously ridiculous because it's the state itself that's funding these nonprofits through these corporate developments, through, I mean, these corporate uh, corporations, through, through these billionaires who are actually giving us these resources to do this. And so no one is going to um, fund their own dissolution, right? Um, so we have to understand that these things are done in a way to let us believe that we're making some progress but to also stop us from uh, really going all the way and resisting to a point of having actual revolution or, or radical change. Well, um, yeah, now that that's uh, you know, I'm I'm I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm I'm taking in all that's being said because of the fact that um, what we're talking about, you know, is is almost like a manual. You know what I mean? And and I think that one of the things that um, I'm seeing new organizers and I see some organizers who are, quote unquote, old, you know what I'm saying? Or seasoned. And it, it's crazy because of the fact that nowadays, you know, it makes you wonder if the, the, the dog is wagging the tail or the tail is wagging the dog. You know what I mean? You have uh, some, quote unquote, elders that's trying to stay relevant. So they they hop on with whatever BS comes up that's new because of the fact that it's like, look, well, I got to make sure my name is still out here. You know what I mean? So I'm going to take on the role as being chief elder, such and such, such and such, who really I mean, in a lot of these, quote unquote, elders, um, one of the things uh, shout out to one of our OGs, Bilal Sunni Ali. Uh, I remember him saying that. Uh, uh, matter of fact, I think it was uh, his wife, Fulani Sunni Ali. Um, uh, who's an ancestor? She said that uh, every uh, old motherfucker ain't an elder. Some of them are just old motherfuckers, and and I'm saying that now because of the fact that coming uh, from a, a the, the generation under the '60s, you know what I mean, Generation X, you know, um, being between the so-called youth and the elders right now, um, I, I'm I'm seeing a lot of folks who are in our era who are being recognized as OGs and we've been knowing them for years and we know that they're on bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, straight like that. But of course with the youth, it's like whatever sounds good, whatever sounds tough, you know what I mean? That's the business. Um, 
I wanted to pose a question right now. Do you all think that uh, the new mode of organizing uh, is uh, is a detriment or is it a plus? You know, um, based on 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 the styles, because of the fact that we see for the first time for me, for example, this past summer was the first time in Atlanta in particular that I actually saw white folks leading our marches, leading our movement. You know what I mean? It, it, it was quite baffling because that never happened in the past. So I wanted to know from you all, what are your thoughts on uh, uh, the, the current mode of organizing? And I'm not going to say necessarily the youth, but I'm just saying just this 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 particular era. I mean, is, is it advantageous? Do we need work? Is it a setback? What's your thoughts? I think uh, this era is concerning to me. I know it's my era, which is crazy, but um, I think a big problem that I've oh, I've felt for a while is that we were allowing other people to tell us what we should be prioritizing. And we were allowing um, other people to be the determination of when we're gonna come together, when we care about racism, because racism is not something that happens every time an African is killed by the police. Afri racism is happening this very second. We're feeling it, you know, in some type of way. And allowing uh, the oppressor's actions to determine how we're going to react to the racism, I've, I've always had a problem with that. Um, and I've always felt like it's not sustainable also to constantly allow um, yourself to come out and protest something that is not the root and is instead a symptom. I look at police brutality as something obviously serious, but I don't think that that's the thing that we should honestly be prioritizing personally. I believe that police brutality is always going to be a symptom of the capitalist system. And I believe that because everywhere where I see African people in a capitalist system is the same results repeated over and over. We're seeing it in Brazil, we're seeing it in Colombia, like everywhere. So I'm not of the impression that, uh, that if there's a way to solve this problem, and I think the system can always turn out more bodies and have us, you know, focus on that. Meanwhile, when's the last time, and I don't know when the last time I seen this, a, a huge protest over the educational system that's, you know, ill-funded for our people. I, I don't know the last time, even something like the prison industrial complex that's just outwardly like, this is, clearly slavery. I, I don't know, like I've never seen like our people have the same care about these systemic issues that um, are always constant with us. And I think that that's really our problem. Um, and those are things obviously that are difficult uh, to solve. And we know police brutality is also difficult to solve, but it can make you feel like you're solving it because you're dealing with an individual case instead of dealing with something that you know there's no such thing as justice in the prison industrial complex unless you destroy the prison industrial complex. And so I think we kind of, um, we, we allow the media to sell us things that are more sensational and that becomes the driving force to where we want to be, when we want to be active. I want to be active now and not with the ongoing situation that's constantly happening. So that's my um, opinion overall, as far as when I look at, Things like you talk, I mean, I'm assuming Brother Kwan, you're talking about the George Floyd protest. That was my sentiment about that. That's my sentiment about where uh, we are as far as um, what we see. 
But I also want to keep in mind that a lot of the true organizers we just don't see. And that's mm. to me another symptom of the fact that if it's not popular, if it's not something the media is willing to recognize, you're just not going to see it. No doubt. That's why we have Black Power Media. What, what, what you got to say, doctor? Well, I just, I wholeheartedly agree. I think there's this um, vulgar, rugged individualism and it's like a disease that, so it's not just, um, um, I think a point that was made earlier about us like identifying Trump and like saying we he's the problem, like the one dude, as opposed to looking at it systemically. The the it's almost like that same poison of like individualism is also affecting how we choose to struggle and the things we struggle about. We're struggling about the death of one guy, like one person at a time, right? As opposed to looking at this as a systemic issue and trying to attack it as as a broader issue. There are some people who were in tears over the George Floyd verdict because they put all of their thoughts, prayers, and energy into like the death of this one person, as opposed to saying like, how do we dismantle this so we don't keep ending up here? And right. and even dismantle is kind of a weak word to me. I'm like, this thing needs to be ripped apart, burned, scorched to, so it never returns. Everything <laughs> like wiped and 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 ripped apart. Anyway, but I think that's one of the main issues that the individualistic approach to problems and solutions and identifying problems. I think also um, there's a talking out, like the same thing for the culture as opposed to in the culture, like we're talking to them. And I think our oppressors keep keep want to keep us talking to them because they'll always know what we're up to and they'll always have the next thing to like counteract it. And I think our ancestors, and this is why history is so important, the ancestors who were effective were the ancestors who were quiet. I will tell, I will say this the day I die. I respect the activists that nobody knows, but they get that work done because nobody's distracting them. Nobody has told them to pause the work and come talk to me and tell me what you up to. They're not putting it on blast, you know, in these, these like major media platforms, to try to let everybody know and announce what they're doing so they can get credit for it. They are just doing the, and our, and the ancestors who were successful went, to, to each other and spoke to each other. They went and worked in communities and got some things done. And I just think that we need to just be quiet. Like we need to just learn the, the power in clandestine like activity um, because we're just constantly telling on ourselves. I think this is a point that Jared Ball makes often. Um, we're just constantly telling our oppressors what we're up to and we're not, and we're so busy trying to like explain to them as opposed to getting clarity internally. So. That's that's something I would say is an issue. And then and it creates an easy funnel into the nonprofit world, the corporate world, you know, like all these fashion designers are now like sponsoring activists. You know what I mean? Just book deals left and right. You know what I mean? People on the cover of Vogue who are activists. I I think that it's so easy to co-opt once once we're they constantly keep us speaking to them. Let me so let me you got both of you have alluded to this. Kalaji usually just says it directly. Um, so I, I want to have a theoretical discussion. I want to frame it this way around the use of violence, right? The use of revolutionary violence, um, is that a tactic, theoretically speaking, that we should have at our disposal, um, in thinking about a revolution or do we subscribe to the ideas that a, you know, I think at one point in history, Palestine is so in the news these days. Uh, during the intifadas, there were folks who, uh, Palestinians, who rejected the intifada and instead wanted to use what they considered to be a social justice format 
in terms of which way forward for the Palestinian struggle um, and that they should use more tactics that were sort of learned from a civil rights struggle um, as opposed to the struggle of uh, what I'll call resistance. Um, um, so again, I want to have that theoretical discussion around the use of, of uh, violence um, or, or you know, to defend oneself and actually to win revolutionary struggle. Who wants to jump in and go first? Theoretically. Theoretically. Yeah. You, yeah, theoretically. <laughs> Remember, he's an attorney, so theoretically. <laughs> theoretically, violence should be on the table. Theoretically and historically, we don't have successful revolutions um, against this particular set of enemies without it. Um, also, I think I'm not a black psychologist, but um, it stands to reason that if you are constantly being assaulted and violated through physical violence, psychic violence, um, environmental violence, economic violence, um, and you are trained um, to respond um, peacefully, there is a there's a devaluing of your own self. Like you're not responding with the same energy, like to to a violation. And it's as if you're kind of constantly re being reminded or reminding yourself that you don't deserve real justice. You don't deserve the retribution. The, the that you to some degree deserve whatever that gap is between the violation and your response. That's what you deserve. Wow. The gap in you know what I mean. The gap in intensity. So I hope I'm being clear, but I'm saying that that reinforces our in inferiority. That reinforces the lack of value that our lives have. It means, it, this is why we have to always be saying our lives have value, that they matter, because I think there's a still a deep lack of belief that they really do. And I think that's because our responses have been so mild to extreme. I think Tierney made an important point about the urgency and extremity of the violence that is enacted on us, our, our peoples. The death, the bodies breaking, the, the homes and communities being literally physically destroyed, and we respond with marching and talking. Like that that mean a people who does that is a people who doesn't doesn't value itself, I think, honestly. So violence has to be on the table because violence is simply like the ocean we're swimming in. I completely agree. I completely agree. And to me, like we should automatically know something is up when the system determines which black leaders are going to get recognition or in black history month based on whether or not they were for violence or for and I would say violence, whether or not violence was on the table. Um, none of them that actually had that as an option will ever be recognized by the American system. And I never understood honestly, the controversy behind what Malcolm was saying um, like it's it, it it shows just like really what they're telling us is that you're, we're going to validate you and you have to take it because he wasn't saying let's go out and do violence he said any means necessary so if peace will work we'll ha we'll have peace we'll work with you if uh, peaceful protest if you will listen to us if civil disobedience will work we'll do civil disobedience and if it doesn't work meaning you're still going to hold out and still say no we're going to continue with this white supremacist uh system then okay well i guess we have to use violence i don't feel like that's controversial but the system does because <laughs> because we're supposed to be enslaved. We're not supposed to have options. And I feel like um, it's very interesting. So I, I never understood, um, like as a, as a Christian, you know, I never understood um, how some of our civil rights leaders, um, they have that position of, you know, I, I don't believe in, uh, 
I believe in nonviolence. I don't believe in self-defense. And therefore, my people shouldn't believe in self-defense. And that's just crazy to me because every action has a reaction. If you keep pushing a people, the natural reaction is going to be that you're going to get that same energy back. It might not be in an organized fashion. It might not be in a fashion that's going to dethrone you, but you're going to have some type of explosion eventually. The idea that um, I'm going to not put the finger at the system that is violent as being the one who should be um, the only focus. I'm going to tell my people, yeah, it's violent, but you know, don't be violent either. That doesn't make any logical sense. So I think it's just propaganda, honestly, um, that we've been even, we, we even have this idea that, you know, um, oh, they were peacefully protesting. It's okay. Well, what if they weren't peacefully protesting? Like, what, what are you saying? But does it, does it mean that the, the issue they're protesting for is no longer violent, um, valid? So these are things that I think are tricks that were, we, tricks that we unfortunately um, don't always figure out. It's cool. crazy. Like your enemy could stab you and then say, okay, but you can only flick me back on my arm. That's how you can respond when I stab you like that. And we're just like, okay, I guess right. we'll just keep flicking and hoping you stop stabbing us at some point like that. And this is why energy matters. We're talking about energy. We're talking about intensities, energies, and degrees. And I think our African worldviews and many other indigenous worldviews is like energy to energy response and counter response, you know, th this is the action, here's the reaction or the response to the action. Energy has to match. If someone's coming for you, our worldviews and our operating systems allow us to respond in kind. And that's why I think getting back to those deeper understandings is very important. Like that, so you then, then those logics solve themselves, yep. To quote the rapper uh, M1 from Dead Prez, uh, revolution is not a violent act. Um, I think that uh, the, the ill thing, I think is, is, is psychological warfare. You know what I mean? When has America or any European not either initiated violence or responded with violence? You, there's no cases where uh, when, when they bombed Pearl Harbor, they didn't say, oh, man, you know, they was just upset today. And, you know, uh, perhaps, you know, we should we should uh, look into some type of peaceful accord. No, they went and they bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They murdered over 300 something thousand people within a 10 day period. Men, women, children, dogs, cats, plants, whatever existed. They said they were going to decimate it. They dropped an atomic bomb. They didn't say, let's get along peacefully. We are the most uh, ignorant people on the planet. We're so peaceful. It's like some of these folks that read so much that they're dumb. You understand what I'm saying? I know some folks that read so damn much that that they are just stupid. You know what I'm saying? It's like they don't know the author. They're not clear about what it is they're reading. They're just like, I'm just going to read a book because of the fact that the cover looks good and the author sound good when I saw him on Oprah. And they were on the New York Times bestseller list. So it's definitely psychological warfare when you respond by not responding. Let me let me jump in and wrap up maybe with this last question. Because y'all talked about Malcolm, we, you know, we mentioned Malcolm, uh, and and Malcolm always talks about, you know, what the basis of revolution was, right? And and Malcolm's uh, understanding the basis of revolution was land, right? That was the reason for revolution. So uh, you can give the same answer, but I'm curious for each of you, uh, almost as a as a wrap up, um, what do you think is the basis and or reason uh, for revolution? 
I think it's land, but I think it's also what um, what degree of control you have over every being of your life. And I mean, psychologically, I mean, socially, politically. Um, and so I think ultimately to me, yes, lamb, but more specifically, I guess, self-determination to me, um, every people should have the rights. Every people should be able to determine their destinies. The idea that certain groups get to determine the destinies of everyone else, and we've just accepted it. I mean, that's the thing that pisses me off the most when I look at, uh, like, I look at the United Nations or look at uh, just different like Western powers, how they're discussing like, oh, well, what are we going to do about Chad? Or what are we going to do about Mali? What are we going to do about these African people? And it's like, why do you even feel that you're entitled to that decision to begin with? And you, and you know that colonialism is something that we reject, but so you'll mask it as being concerned. And I think our people have been so bred into thinking that we need their concern that we will ask for it. direction. Well, look at like what uh, Hamidou Buhari in, in, in Nigeria tells the United States, come to Nigeria, um, come close, or come to Africa, come closer with your imperialist police, with your, with your military, come, come, come determine our destinies. Like how could, how could you want, um, to, how do you lo logically not want a police force or a military force that is actually of your people. So I think it's it's the land, but it's the, the it's the things that happen on the land, and ultimately it has to be complete control by the indigenous populations without any interference. To me, that's the only thing that um we should focus on and, and struggle for, and I think that's what is very hard to mask um, or to to um, to to weaken or water down from the West, and so they find other things to for us to aspire to. Like they'll say, uh, you should aspire to having free elections or something like that, and and no talk about self determination. You know, you should aspire to uh, end female genital mutilation. You know, which is you know something I definitely would not want. But you know, the point is they'll get us to aspire to different things that don't go to the heart of it that we should control our own destinies. And that's the only thing that should be on the table. What yep. she said. <laughs> Man. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with, I'm with y'all on that self-determination land, you know, what she said. Yeah. Period. <laughs> um, uh, closing out what's in the works. What can we expect from you two? Um, we know that uh, you've definitely been bringing the pain on, on the remix morning show. We appreciate that. Tyranny with African Esquire with a channel over there. Been banging them in the head as well. But what, what can we, we expect from you two? And how can more folks get at you? Same. I'm on I'm on summer break now. So I got um, hopefully more time to do more with it. Um, I want to bring more guests on, more, more just uh, dope folks to talk about the things that that don't get, you know, enough airtime. Um, give us more tools from the toolkit or medicine from the medicine bag that we can use. Um, and hopefully get some writing done. 
Yeah. We, we need you to do your own show as well. What's up with that? Oh, I yeah. Um, I don't think about that. I, I will. I will work on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you, I know. I know. When the uh, in the in the inbox, the chat, and all that, they're like, "Oh yeah, go, go, go!" Why y'all cut her off? Like, look, that wasn't me. <laughs> but, <laughs> she did uh, what she said she could do. That's right, right. and she did. Right, <laughs> and that's that. Yeah. No doubt. Tyranny, what about you? What can we expect from you? Um, I say definitely, yeah, some more of the same um, continuing to organize. But I think um, the direction that I'm going in right now, I'm really focused on this decolonization um, thing. And um, I'm working with the organization um, NCBL. And um, we're putting out a decolonization of human rights um, legal clinic where we're going to try to um, approach the issue of colonialism um, using legal remedies. Um, and so that's really where my mind is um, and making that public enemy number one, you know, the colonial system and having our people um, not just say, yeah, this happened, but this is happening. And we are owed a, a, a life where we're not subjects to people. So that's where my mind is. That's where my work is going. And so I think you guys can expect more on that end. And for those who don't know, real quickly, National Conference of Black Lawyers for NCBL. Yes, yeah, sorry, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case. Well, it's been a pleasure having both of you on, having this yes. conversation about what makes a revolution or what is a revolution. Um, y'all know more than we do, so we need to follow y'all leads. You know what I mean? So hey. I really appreciate you guys coming on. Yeah, definitely, man. Um, you know, we're going to have you all back again. Uh, man, I, I think that the time went so so quick and it, it flowed so smooth that we might have to do this once a month. You know what I mean? Nah, because I, I mean, we, we need we need practical solutions. And it's like a lot of times we get again, we get on with the egos and the theories, but but not too much practical shit. Everybody wants to be, you know, I'm trying to be the next, you know, great philosopher i want right. you know everybody follow me check out my twitter 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 uh uh handle check out my ig you know what i mean that sounds good but at the end of the day when you finish bumping your gums we're in the same situation we was in before you started so we appreciate you all uh stay on point comrades and we will see you on tuesday on the morning show really we're gonna be right back after this break with um a guest no doubt. We, we have a, know, actually. a guest who's no stranger. You're checking right. out Renegade Culture. We'll be right back at ya. Oh, yeah. Oops. Caught me drinking my drink, B. I was like, hey, take a little sip. I know, man. What you over there sipping, don't man? You. Got the don't fresh don't glass. Don't about that, son. It's freshly squeezed. That's all uh, you brother, need to know. Freshly you ain't sharing? What type of African are you? That look like a Bloody Mary. What's popping? <laughs> it's my night out, son. It's my night out. It's your night out. I'm doing my thing. You're in the community house. What do you mean it's your night out? 
I think that's a violation. This, club. Peaches is open. Might be going about, Peaches. <laughs> you go. You you go to the worst spot you can go. To, so. <laughs> but it's close to the community house. <laughs> okay, okay. Gunshots, the whole nine. You see it all. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, renegade culture. That was a dope. Uh, Dope episode, man. Yeah, man. I mean, they they might even they should have their own show together. They should co-host the show. We should put some ideas. Like, hmm, what y'all what do y'all think about that? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's good. I mean, because of the fact that um, one of the things I appreciate is their uh, their their accolades is crazy. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The, mm-hmm. the, the education. Um, you know, one's an attorney, one's a professor. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're young and 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 but but they they're humble. Yeah. And serious mm-hmm. about it. They're serious yes. about their work. You can tell, uh, sort of like it's it's something that they put their heart, their minds, like you said, the research, the background, the thinking forward around what are the solutions that will work for us now. So it's always an honor and a pleasure to, to meet with folks who, um, and to talk with folks who know that revolution is not something that happens within the confines of what the state tells you you have to practice in in order to get some justice or some freedom. But instead, it's something that you got to think outside the box and you don't let anybody set your directions for you that's not on your side, right? And I think that I always appreciate, relatively speaking, younger revolutionary yes. folks who do that kind of work and who are involved in that kind of practice. Man, it's absolutely refreshing because of the fact that, I mean, shit, you and I, we were out uh, at some of the protests this past summer uh, <laughs> Feeling like 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 we had to dust off our fatigues and uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> taking it back to the eighties and nineties and whatnot, hanging out there and, and seeing how you know folks was uh, upset and all that, and mm-hmm. you know talking tough and 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 seeing so many of the folks who reminded us of ourselves. That's and that, right. That, that, that's why it, it, it's funny because of the fact that it's like. You know, now I, I feel like the, the old heads back in the day, the OGs that was laughing at us and looking at us like we didn't know what we was talking about. Mm-hmm. And we swore for God <laughs> that, that we was Malcolm, you, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? Don't hold us back. Don't be getting Man, in our like, way. You know, like, why y'all work. hating? Why y'all yeah, hating? You do this work, son. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. it came back to us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But um, it, it's refreshing definitely to see... Uh, uh, two younger comrades who uh, happen to be sisters. I'm saying comrades first because of the fact that um, you know, we we get confused with the whole you know, uh, you're a man or you're a woman or all that type stuff. But um, clearly, you know, it's good to see that they're they're, they're sharp. That's we right. have we have another guest coming up. Uh oh, who, who who we probably don't consider a guest. First of all, it, it feels weird not being in the studio today. I know, I know. There's always that little bit of disconnect where we're not like sitting there chopping it up and we got all the fo- all the folks up in there. We're cracking a bunch of jokes and nothing tonight. You know, you know. But I, I think we, we need to bring somebody. I think I think the next guest need to be from the studio. What you think? <laughs> we need to bring in somebody from the studio. I, I think I'm reaching there and, and reach out for the minister. Who you gonna you grab? Know what I'm saying? Huh? The minister? The minister is gonna be here. I'm, I'm gonna see if Minister Server can tap in. Let me see. Oh, transmitting from where? Live from the planet Earth. Okay. Yeah. Well, you not be from the planet Earth with that sound. You better check that sound, <laughs> I know. I know I, you. I, I, I don't know what these headphones like. You try to take it out. Hold on. Hold on. 
Yeah, take okay. them headphones out. Don't start yeah. that, brother. How about yeah, you should all that before you got on. What's wrong yeah, with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, listen, man, listen. I'm, I'm used to being on the, the other side of shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> What's going on? Transmitting live from the planet Earth. I am okay. Minister Serba. What's up, good brother? What's happening, man? Listen, I was just watching the show coming in, man, and yo, both of them sisters are on point, beautiful, and it's and it's, and it's wonderful, as you all said. Uh, Kamal just mentioned the seriousness of, of, of the work that they're doing, man. Uh, yo, Black Power Media. Right. No doubt. No doubt. Speaking of seriousness, you yes. got something coming up soon. Uh, an event, a happening. Can you tell us about what that event is? Well, um, we have something coming up. It is a community event that uh, uh, you are involved with, as far as I know. Kalaji, uh, he would just leave, leave me out there like, you got something coming on and shit. Yeah, what's up with that? It's called but, an uh, opening, son. It's called an opening. It's an interviewer, but, uh, and then you an opening to talk about the upcoming project. Hey, listen, man. One thing I learned about Kamal, when he's uncertain of what might go down, he say, you have something. <laughs> then when it blows up, he's Slow like, down, I was there. Was he did a great job. <laughs> I was, I was with you there all along. That's Jared Ball's brother. Right here. <laughs> nah, but this coming Sunday actually um, starts Hip Hop Appreciation Week. It goes from Sunday, uh, May 16th to May 23rd. And uh, we are jumping off uh, this coming Sunday at the Unity Cafe from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Uh, we have um, uh, two international hip hop artists, uh, John Sy Robson, who's been on Renegade Culture no before, doubt. and uh, Stacey Epps who will be on this soon. Um, uh, Lioness, who was the, uh, the, the the sister that was on a couple of weeks ago, this will be her first live performance. Uh, that's my niece, you know what I'm saying, will be performing, uh, as well as uh, another young man. And um, I see y'all come back there laughing about that, but one of the things that I love to do is to bring the old to the new. You know, I'm, I'm in my hip-hop grandpa thing. You okay. know what I mean? So my thing is always making sure that we connect the connection. For those of us that have been around, we know how important it is to get the backing of the elders and whatnot. So with this event, in, in, in all seriousness, um, you know, it's a, it's a family event. It's from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. That way we don't disturb those people doing Sunday mornings or whatever. And they still have their Sunday evenings to do whatever they do. And um, the City of Atlanta uh, Council um, is doing a proclamation to recognize Hip Hop Appreciation Week. It's also the 20-year anniversary of the Hip Hop Declaration of Peace, which is the document you see behind me. Um, you know, just to add some form of structure outside of whatever the entertainment industry is doing with hip hop. You know what I'm saying? We have to make sure that, you know, as, as you all were talking about, there are many ways that we have to uh, reclaim ourselves, as it were. You know what I'm saying? And uh, hip hop is most certainly one of those things that we can see the, the corporate influence and how they change it away from what the intention was, which was to help us to um, sidestep the system, you know what I'm saying? We, we were the, we were the the, um, the uh, obstacle that was causing havoc, you know. So for even rap music to be the number one genre of music in the world right now, we, I mean, while that may look good on one end, it's, it's not all that great for hip hop because we still don't control it. So that's a whole nother conversation. So hip hop, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say one of the things that you mentioned. Sorry about cutting you off. You mentioned the uh, hip hop declaration of peace. Can you uh, mm -hmm. give give us some uh, for folks who are not familiar with the hip hop declaration of peace? Give us uh, some some background on that. Yeah, um, well, um, big up to uh, Blast Mascaras, one of the temple hip hop. 
uh, Rivers International, UNESCO, Universal Zoo Nation, Riverside Church, um, Chuck D, uh, Ernie Panicoli, uh, Pop Master Fable, uh, Harry Allen, uh, Grandmaster Flash. These were the pioneers that on May 16, 2001, went to the United Nations to establish hip hop as an international culture with peace and prosperity. You know, to begin to take ourselves a bit more serious, again, beyond just rap music. You know, as we've been saying for a while, rap is something you do, hip hop is something you live. So while these principles are not any kind of rules or laws or mandates, if you say rap is something, rap is something you do, hip hop is something you live, then we want to have principles by which we're, we're uh, aspiring to live by. So these 18 principles are ways to govern ourselves in, in, in um, a general way, but also more importantly, to give our young people, you know, a different, uh, a, 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 at the very least, a different paradigm on what hip hop is. Because if not, then the entertainment industry gets to determine what hip hop is for them. And we kind of see already the results of that. So, you know, um, and this is the 20 year anniversary. I've been able to introduce this document internationally. This is about, you know, about, about a decade now that I've been teaching it at the International Hip Hop Festival. Because um, again, this document is not specific to any individuals or any organization. It's principles that I tell people within those 18 principles, something that you're already passionate about is already in that document. So again, we're looking for different tools and strategies to pass on to our young people so hip hop culture can continue to be uh, what it was for, which is to make you a better you. You know, at, at the end of the day, before we got involved with the industry, which was only about 25 years as far as, you know, the industry in the 90s when they really kind of took over, before then, it was just our shit. You know what I'm saying? It was it was, it was was black people expressing themselves with ancient African art forms. They nothing new that we're doing. We know that. But, you know, now as we as we get older, we have a responsibility for those of us that, that can see the connection from our ancient African selves to use it right now and, as I said, more importantly, be able to pass something on to our children. Because according to the United Nations, hip-hop is the fastest-growing culture in the world because it can still sidestep any uh, system and allow people to express themselves in an authentic, genuine way. And on the continent of Africa, because it's the youngest continent, hip-hop is on fire. So we owe it to ourselves as uh, Black people in America to understand hip-hop in a, in, a, in a global sense, more than just, you know, whatever city you rep in or whatever. We um uh, for those of you who are unaware, Minister Server is uh holds uh, about eighteen titles. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> he is uh you can catch him on Renegade Culture Weekly. He's an associate producer, and he also yeah. uh he does uh hip hop stories, which uh, we'll be bringing back uh on the next episode. Well, what's up with hip hop stories? Hey man, we 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 bringing it back this week. What you talking about? We just <laughs> so give it one more time, one more time. What, what's when is it? When we are why? Yes. The event is Sunday, May sixteenth, three p.m. to five p.m. at the Unity uh, Unity Coffee Cafe, which is six forty Evans uh, Street in Atlanta, Georgia. You can get on, on, on social media. Uh, check me out on Minister Server on Instagram or Facebook. You'll see the post up there. Um, definitely. You know, as I said, you know, for those of us that are parents, whether you are still into hip hop or not, we have a responsibility to at the very least counter program what we know our open enemy is trying to do to our youth. Again, it's not about what rappers you like or what you don't like. Again, we use hip hop as life strategy for self-identification, self-empowerment, self-improvement, which leads to positive social change. So come out this Sunday and experience real hip hop in real life. And um, yeah, man, we're gonna get it in for the whole year, no doubt. Cool, no cool, doubt. Cool. And, 
and hopefully we'll there'll, there'll be some live broadcasts from the uh the joint or whatever that we can push on black power media uh definitely yeah, catch- we all gonna broadcast live we all okay. do facebook live there from uh, sunday as well man so, so people can kind of see it as i said it goes the whole week the uh city of atlanta is uh, doing a proclamation so again you know even that you know um some people you know, are kind of surprised that they're doing a proclamation from the city of Atlanta. But those that have been there know that we've been doing that for about a decade. That every every uh, uh, man that's been in, we make sure that we that, that we're doing it just for history. That may not mean anything now, but a hundred years from now, our grandchildren can our big big grandchildren can be able to pull out the work that we've done to at least attempt to make the world better for them. And, and I believe as parents, as grandparents, all of us want the same thing. How do we do our part to make the world better for the next generation? No doubt. The tools, the strategies that we use. No doubt. Our, our great grandchildren would be like, look at what they was doing before they overthrew the government. No doubt. Exactly. We like to think, my main oh, man, oh, oh. my main yeah, man, Mr. Serving the Building, catch him every Thursday, excuse me, every Friday at 9 p.m. on Renegade Culture. You can catch those, catch those hip hop stories. You know what I'm saying? Um, definitely part of the team, associate producer. And um, stress us out every week. You know what I mean? We're glad to see you here today. And, um, you know, we'll see you all Sunday for those who will be uh, in the spot in Atlanta. That's we right. Wanna- Great show. No, no Peace doubt. Renegade culture. We out of here. Black out. Renegade culture. Yes. Salute.